right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Alright? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Gonzaga just landed the number one recruit in the country. Seven foot one, 190 pounds. Uh, that's not a typo. It's not a mis- it's not me misspeaking. Chet Holmgren of Minnehaha Academy in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The number one recruit in the country is 7'1", 190 pounds. <laughs> I feel like the fact that he's 190 pounds helps him because then people can say, well, we'll just wait till he packs on muscle. I'm here to tell you this right now. Chet Holmgren bust. Whoa. Will not be any good. Is it the size? No, it's not the size. I mean, seven feet tall. No, he's just not going to be good. I mean, like the weight. Like, is that what's deterring you? Why a do you little not bit, think he's yeah. going to be good? I just have a hard time believing a... I have a hard time believing a seven-foot white guy is ever going to be the best player in the class. Ah, there it is. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's number one for a reason. I don't know why. I haven't watched him, but... No, no. Many have. No, it doesn't matter. People are wrong all the time. People are wrong all the time, including you and me. Yeah, but I don't. But I, that's why I'm not in recruiting because the people who are in recruiting they have to rank every single player. You're bound to be wrong. I only speak out about this every so often, and when I do, I'm usually right. I don't I'm just going to say, I and I know that sounds arrogant and that makes me sound like a douche. I'm here to tell you right now: when I speak out on a player with that much conviction, I'm almost always right. I remember me and you had a conversation like, is the Zion Williamson thing going to work? Like, he might just come in and average five points a game, but it'll be cool because he'll dunk on it every often. Yeah, but I wasn't speaking. I was asking the question that I wasn't saying oh, it will okay. not work. I never said that. You can't find audio of me saying that will not work. I did not say that. Don't try to act like I did. I'll tell you the guys who I have, the guys I buried from day one Matthew Hurt, Henry Ellison, and now. Chet Holmgren. So I seem to have a thing for tall white guys or a thing okay, see, I'm biased is, towards what, tall white guys. But again, like I remember we had this conversation when Matthew Hurt came out and it was Henry Ellenson, like you said. I Like it depends what you're defining as here that it's not going to work. Like are you talking about NBA stuff? Yeah, you're not going to be a star. In what, college or the NBA? NBA. Okay, well, that's a way different discussion. Uh, both then, fine. How's that? So you don't think Chet Holmgren's going to be good in college? I don't think he's going to be, like, the best player in college. Will he be first team all West Coast Conference? <laughs> Give me a break, dude. I, I would assume Gonzaga got all five guys on the first team last year. Will he be on any of the, at least, like, honorable I know they didn't mention. get five, but they probably got three or four, will right? He, I think they got four. Um, will he be honorable mention, All-America, at least? No. No. Because there were, okay, so there's 15 guys between the first, second, and third team. There's usually, like, 15 to 20 more who get honorable mention. So you don't think he'll even be a top, like, 30 player next year. He's the number one recruit in the country, a seven-foot center who can dribble and shoot. 
Oh, he can dribble and shoot. That's super vague. Okay, he can dribble well like and shoot well. No, it won't translate. You see, what you do is you try to make all of this stuff sound super simple. Well, he can dribble and shoot, so he's going to be great. No, okay, here's, well, like, here's the thing. He's, I, let's yeah, do that for I every single player. Him, but there are a lot of smart people who ranked him number one for a reason. You're right. I mean, people are wrong all the time. Cliff Alexander was, what, the number two, number three recruit in the country? I don't know. Again, like, if you're to make the comparison to Henry Ellenson and Matthew Hurt, you're going to be— He weighs 190 pounds, Okay, Derek. Nick, Henry Ellenson— Jeff Withy was, was a skinny. lottery pick. Hey, Jeff Withy was skinny. He played. He weighed like two twenty five, two thirty. This guy is a hundred and ninety, and he's got an extra inch. Yeah, so he's the anti Zion. Here's what here's what will translate for this guy. I'll tell you what he will do. He'll shoot threes. And people, oh my God, he's seven feet tall and he can shoot threes. hundred ninety pounds is not doing anything inside. Anything. Seven foot might. Like. David McCormick would annihilate this kid. Mm. That is a take. Yeah, it is. I'm gonna if take I keep way. if I keep talking long enough, I'll have a few more. I'm sure. Okay, you realize too, like Matthew Hurt was like a really, really good player for Duke this year. Okay, he was. He finished the season really strong. Yeah. Couldn't miss. Couldn't miss at the end of the year. Okay, that's fine. Chet Holmgren. And better. what did I say? No, no NBA stardom. No NBA stardom. And you could say, well, Nick, it's hard to reach NBA stardom. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But this is like also, you know, um, this is like the guy who who's not a degenerate gambler, but he only places eight bets a year, but he goes eight no. You'd say, well, I mean, you're not really, you don't have a ton of exposure. It's like, yeah, but I'm undefeated. No, see, That's me. what you're doing is you're betting on Alabama's going to beat Murray State in football, of course. That'll be my one bet this My year. lock of the year. Yeah. Lock of the year. Because they of say, course, hey, dude, they say, hey, man, Nick's lock of the year is he's 14-0 yeah. lifetime. How many, Bet the house. How many stars are there in the NBA? 20, 25? So you're saying, oh, yeah, odds are he is not going to be one of the 25 best okay, players he won't in even the world. Be, okay, then he won't even be, he won't ever be top 50 players in the world. He won't, I mean, what, how far do you want me to go? I just, I, I don't even want to have the NBA. I don't know enough about him to have the NBA discussion. But to me, if we're having the conversation on college basketball. He'll be a free, Okay, uh, he won't be. Because again, Henry Ellenson averaged like 17 and 9. He was a lottery pick. Really good college player. Matthew Hurt might not be a good NBA player. Really good college player. I don't get why you have to just like get specific definitions of what I'm trying to say. I, I speak so clearly and concisely. He's not, I don't think he's going to be very good. You got he's like, well, what me. exactly does that mean, though? Let's dive a little hold bit on, deeper. I'm on, saying it, Wait, man. Rewind. I don't think he's going to be very good. Rewind. Five minutes ago, you got mad at me for being vague and saying, he can dribble that and shoot. Different. Okay. That was different. Okay. Just making sure. I'm trying to find... Okay, I got a mock draft for next year. The problem is I don't know anybody else in this draft either. <laughs> Jaden Hardy, Paolo Banchero, Jabari Smith, and Kendall Brown. You know, like, I don't know what any of those guys are going to so do. Pick your favorite name. Well, Paolo Banchero, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty simple. Okay, he's listening. Okay, seven foot one ninety. Sorry for giving him the extra inch, which makes him seem skinnier. He's like the skinniest guy I've ever seen. That's what it is. That's what it is. Okay, you okay. want the answer? You you want the answer? Why I don't think he's going to be any good? Because he is the skinniest mm. basketball player I've ever seen. You know what's weird? There was this Manute one player. Bull. No, Manute Bull number one. Bull Bull would be up Bull there. Bull Bull number two, um, and no, then Chet Holmgren number three. You know who would be another guy I'd throw up there? And I'm, I can't remember his name. You're going to have to help me out with this. Um, he did no bench press reps at the NBA draft combine. Super skinny, 
He played for uh, Texas in 2007. Went on to win player of the year in college, and now he's really good in the pros. What is his name? His nickname was the Slim Reaper because of how skinny he is. Oh, that's right, Kevin Durant. Okay. So, okay, so that's the one you want? You you think Chet Holmgren. And maybe that's the other thing. Like, if we really want to just, like, reflect on why I feel this the way I do, there's no doubt in my mind that the, the fact that his name is Chet is having an effect on I was going to say, it. if you would have let off this conversation with the number one player in the country, his name is Chet, yeah, I'm I would have got on more. I would have got more on board with that. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm just saying, like, um, you know, Chet and Chaz, those are just two names where I'm not thinking supreme athlete. Mm. There's a linebacker in this NFL draft who's supposed to be like a first, second round pick, Chaz Surratt. I mean, how many, how much weight is a 190 pound center going to have to pack on before you're like, okay, he's ready to go? What if he doesn't NBA? play center? What if he plays power forward? I don't think that really Small changes forward. anything. He's still seven feet tall. Maybe he's not as tall. Like the video, that's the other thing. You look at his high school video, and he was high school teammates with, uh, with Jalen Suggs, right? Or teammates in high school with Jalen Suggs. I don't know if it was at this high school or I never. But what are the chances that back-to-back years you get like the number one player in the class and they both go to Gonzaga? How does that even happen? How does that happen that one's, one area produces like in back-to-back years? Like, oh, well, yeah, but they were teammates. They just happened to both be like elite level prospects. And it's not like it's in, you know, like a, a hub. Like it's not Los Angeles or something. It's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say this. Chet Holmgren would be lucky to have Henry Ellison's career. Henry Ellison just got picked up the other day, I think. <laughs> he's You're still... starting to grow on Henry Ellison. Yeah, he's starting yeah. to. Or he's growing on you. He's starting to figure it out. He's only 24, too. Mm. With That's Toronto. He's played starting. two games this year. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he's still, he's still cashing checks. Hey, he hasn't hit his prime yet. He's still got a lot of ball in front of him. So every once in a while, these prospects come up, and I'm just like, and I granted, like I don't know anything about recruiting. I don't follow recruiting. Like I said, I don't know anybody else in this class. But I mean, this is it. This is your king. You know, <laughs> this is your king. All right, okay. You know, watching. Did I maybe prematurely try to end to close the book on his career? Yeah, okay, I did. We all have our faults. You're not perfect either. We all have our biases, and mine just happens to be I'm biased against considering giant white guys to be elite. Hey, have a 40-inch vertical, and then okay. and then I'll say, you know what? So you what? hate Drew Timmy. You're, you just hate Gonzaga's no, no, front No, no, Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy's good. But coming out of high school, Drew Timmy wasn't considered to be, you know? He was like a top 60 recruit. I need yeah. the stereotypes to stick around for white guys. Like, I need you to be a lunch pill guy. I need you to have to grind it out. No, but no offers coming out of high Those are the white guys I get behind is no offers coming out of high school, right? Nobody liked him. They thought he was too slow. And he had one D one offer, and he took it, and then he redshirted, and then he got saddled on the bench. He was the eighth guy off the bench, right? He was the third. There were twelve scholarship players, and he was thirteenth in the depth chart, you know. Mm-hmm. And he had to battle, and he was he lived in the gym, gym rat, every single night after the you know the, the janitors would come in and flip the lights on. And he's just there shooting in the dark like that. Those are the guys that I'm like, okay, now that you've checked every box in the stereotypical white basketball player sort of run sheet, then I can get behind you. So I'm with Drew Timmy. Same with Corey Kispert. Like Chet Holmgren, number one in the country? You need to be humbled a little bit. Come on. Don't you know how this works? Hey, a couple of KU players got some new homes over the weekend. 
Tristan and Aruna, actually just earlier today, committed to play for Iowa State. Tyon Grant Foster committed to play for DePaul. Mm, the Charlie Moore route. And Charlie Moore Gone. committed to play for Miami. So a lot of guys finding new homes. In Aruna at Iowa State, uh, it's probably a good fit. Tyon Grant Foster at DePaul. I mean, that guy at DePaul probably is going to be a featured player, I would assume. So good for him. I think they lost like eight or nine players mm-hmm. to transfer. And then you got Christian Bishop, who was you know one of the big names that had been linked to KU on the recruiting trail for the past several weeks, formerly of Creighton. He's from the area. He's from the Kansas City area originally and uh, spent the, the last uh, t- three years at Creighton. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And he'd been linked to KU for a while. He chose Texas, though, on Friday night, right after we got off the show. He wasn't supposed to announce till Saturday, but apparently was ready to go. And, you know, I tweeted this out on Friday. Uh, I immediately, because you know, I'd, I'd heard some people, maybe it was more of a whisper and, and people just online just kind of saying, eh, it kind of feels like KU keeps missing out. Like, they had the, the Tyson Walker kid that they wanted, and then they didn't get him. And then Brandon McKissick from UMKC. And it kind of feels like maybe they're they're not going to get Ty Ty Washington. And you just sort of go down the list, Stanley Mood. You just kind of wonder, okay, are they missing out on these guys, or what exactly is the deal? And and I said at the time that while it, even if you feel like they're striking out, and people got mad at me for this, like for just for just proposing the idea that it, you could view it this way, but here's how I would look at it. That's all I was doing. How dare you? Right, exactly. Some nerve, right? And people said, well, they're not striking out. I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you feel like they're striking out, just pay attention to the fact that they're probably going to get four of their five starters back for next year. And it's difficult to recruit guys like Christian Bishop if you can't guarantee them a starting spot, especially when it's a who's who of programs who are calling and trying to get them to come to their place. Like he went to Texas, who's probably going to lose both, all three of their big guys. When you think of Kai Jones, um, the, well, who's the starting big? Yeah, uh, Jericho Sims, Jericho and, then Sims Greg Brown. and then Greg Brown. Have all three of them announced? I don't think any of them have announced. I don't, but I would assume they're but, all gone. Yeah, Kai Jones is supposed to be like a top 10 pick right now. Greg Brown will be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, I guess. Sims might come back. Sims could come know. back. But either way, yeah. like Christian Bishop's probably going to start next year, either at the four or at the five. It's not hard to figure out why he would choose Texas over Kansas, where if you go to Kansas, you are at best competing with Jalen for those minutes, you're I mean, you're not beating out David McCormick for the five spot. You're not. So at best, you're the sixth man, or you're competing with Jalen Wilson. Like it just makes more sense. But then somebody reached out to me and and told me like, hey, yeah, Kade didn't strike out on this kid. Somebody I trust very much. Kade did not strike out. Ku understands that you they're in a position, even though it may not seem like it, they're in a position to be selective with what they do especially if you're of the belief that both Ochai and Jalen are going to be back next year. And I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question because I don't think those kids know. I think they're both hoping that they could go to the Combine and two teams like fall in love with them and say, yeah, we'd love to take you at the end of the first round. We'd love to get you a guaranteed contract. But that's probably not going to happen. And those are my words, all right? That's probably not going to happen. And I'm, I'm assuming that the coaching staff is thinking that as well. Like, yeah, they, they may want to go but they're probably going to be back. And if you're operating from the standpoint that you're only going to have one scholarship to give up, it's a little bit easier to say, well, Christian, like, 
this is our situation. You can see it. And if we only have one scholarship left, do we want to give it to a guy who is going to maybe bolster our front court, but also just make things a little jam-packed up there? Or would we rather go out and potentially get a guy who could compete for our starting point guard spot? Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that assessment. Um, The only thing that, I don't know, makes me kind of struggle with this, and I get it, like Cam Martin and Christian Bishop, I don't think they were in the transfer portal at the same time, so maybe it wasn't as simple as picking between the two of them. But Cam Martin, he uh, was looking like he was going to go to Texas, but then he comes to Kansas. Christian Bishop looked like he was going to go to Kansas, ends up at Texas. You're going to get to see, obviously, the two teams square off twice this next year. If Christian Bishop dominates in that matchup, you're really going to be sitting there going, I can't believe we took Cam Martin over this guy. Because at this point, everything you were saying is based on the assessment that they already have Cam Martin in tow. Otherwise, Christian Bishop probably fills that role a little bit better. Or, I mean, I don't know what the, did the timeline overlap there where they were going after No, Bishop I don't and... think they were ever in the transfer portal at the same time. But there were rumors that Bishop was going to transfer, like, ever since. Yeah, but if you have a tournament. kid who's like, I'm ready to commit today, you don't say no. and say, I mean, You could, but you don't want to run the risk of not getting either one of them, I think would be the standpoint. And I don't know if that's the truth. I'm just speaking, like, from where I would be, like, do I you really? I don't know. That's kind of counterintuitive to what they did with Bishop, though. Right, but again, if you have a kid who's right there saying, like at one spot, we know we have one spot to give at this position, and we don't even know this other kid's out there yet. It's like a hypothetical that just doesn't really factor. Like maybe after Cam Martin committed and Christian Bishop comes on the market, you're going, oh, man, okay, well, you know, I wish this kid would have done this earlier, but you can't really live like that. I don't know, though. It's interesting, like the timing of it. I don't, I don't know what, exactly what they knew. But he was a kid immediately when he hit the market. Everybody said, oh, yeah, watch out for this. Watch out for this. And he went to, he had KU, Texas, and, and UNC and chose Texas. So you're right. That'll be a familiar face we'll be paying very close attention to a couple times a year as long as he's down there in Austin. The Royals may be the hottest team in baseball right now. They're certainly one of the best teams according to their record. Is their record indicative of just how good they are? We're going to talk about that with David Lesky coming up here in about 20 minutes. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So the Royals now 9-5. and five. First place in the AL Central as they begin a series tonight against Tampa Bay. Are the Royals good? Have they been lucky? Those are both fair questions to ask. You can ask those questions while also being happy and jubilant at the fact that they are sitting here at 9-5, and five, just 14 games into the season. David Lesky joins us now on the show to help us clarify and maybe make sense of some of this. So, David, the Royals are 9-5 and five and in first place despite only having a plus-3 run differential. So which of those things is more likely to become true? Which of those things is, is more likely to sort of shift in the coming weeks that all of a sudden they're going to start out scoring their opponents more or maybe some of those close wins turn into losses? Well, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think as of right now, they've probably been a little lucky. Um, and, they've, and, and, and they've created some of that luck themselves, right? It's not just because Oh, a ball bounced this way, a ball bounced that way. No, they've 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 put pressure on pitchers. 
Um, the pitching staff has kept games close enough that they could come back late. You know, the, the game on uh, well, the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday, that was the reason the Salvador Perez could hit a walk-off home run is because the pitching staff kept the Jays to two runs. So it was, it was you know, it, that made it doable. So um, I think there's some luck involved there. But also, <clears throat> I feel like this offense isn't what we think it can be. And, I mean, it could be that we're just wrong. It, it's that's very possible, <laughs> but I I don't I don't think it is. I think I think there's more to them. You know, Jorge Soler is not going to hit one whatever with. Yeah. I think he's got three extra base hits this year. Like that's that's not, not going to happen. Hunter Dozier is going to turn it on at some point. He's not going to continue to just hit singles and and fly balls. Um, even Carlos Santana hasn't been that great. He's worked a ton of walks and he's hit a couple home runs, but um, he looks like he might be starting to. Flip the switch a little bit. So there's just a lot of guys who I think are, aren't producing, and they're still nine and five. And so if you look at, you know, I, I said I said they'd be 76 and 86 this year. That was my that was my prediction. But if I were, if I were to look back and I were to circle every date on the calendar and say win loss win loss whatever it is, I'd probably have them at seven and seven, six and eight um, in my prediction. And so even if they are a 76 and 86 team, well they've, they've banked two or three extra wins from, from that already. So, so that, that's helpful too. And I, I think that um, in, in the long run, I, I, I kind of think that there's better times ahead, which is maybe scary for the American league central because they're already on top. Um, you know, I, I don't know that they're, I still don't think they're better than the twins. I, I don't know if they're better than the white Sox. I think the Tony La Russa effect, I think he's a disaster, honestly, for them, um, which I'm fine with and I'm here for it. But um, I, you know, that it's still a tough battle for them, but they've, like I said, they've banked a couple wins and I, I think, I think better times are ahead, which is, which is a good thing when you're already nine and five. So you're basically saying if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that the offense would perform the way it has performed, you wouldn't have expected them to be sitting here with a nine and five record. No. I mean, if you told me the offense performed the way it did, I might think five and nine, honestly, it, it's been I mean, Salvador Perez is, is crushing the ball, and we saw a run of three pitches in the seventh inning last night that were all 107 exit velocity plus, I think it was, to start the inning, which is crazy. Three straight pitches, boom, boom, boom. But um, they're not hitting the ball hard at all, and I just don't think that's going to last. And so, you know, if you told me that they were doing that, I would be skeptical they'd have, like I said, five and nine, maybe six and eight, if you told me that. So. Uh, and a lot of that's on the pitching staff. It's been it's been good. And Mike Matheny has managed the bullpen really, really well, which I don't that, – that the word, those words coming out of my mouth in that order are crazy. But it's true. He's been really good. Um, they've, they've made it possible for a sputtering offense to win some games. And that's, that's huge. And it, it's huge to know that they have that, and especially if the offense comes around – this team could be actually scary. I, I, I think they could be a, a fair amount better than I anticipated before the season. What do you make of just how good Salvador Perez was the last week? <laughs> God. He's always been a guy who just gets scorching hot. I mean, remember last year he had that run where he, I mean, it, it, was, it was like he couldn't, he couldn't miss. Um, and, and he has that every so often. But like I wrote today, he's kind of, he's retooled a little bit to the point that he, he hunts pitches in the zone and he swings to do serious damage. It's not that he wasn't swinging hard before he was. 
but it's a different level right now. <laughs> you know, the way he, the way he just he uncoils basically, and it just it's it's kind of a thing of beauty. It's it's a big big swing, and there's more swing and miss now than he used to have. But I don't I don't think anybody would argue that. Oh, let's go back to the fewer strikeouts in 2017 when he was slugging 428 or whatever it was. No, no, you want you want the power. You want the 459 foot home runs. Um, just the rockets off the bat. I think, I think that's been really good for him. I still can't figure out why any pitcher would give him a strike ever. Um, but that's their problem, not, not his or mine. And he's, he might keep this up for a few more days, actually, because he, he tends to, his hot streaks are elongated. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. And if he can, if he can keep it going long enough to get Santana and Solaire, Doge, you know, one of those, two or three of those guys hot. Um, that that would be a that would be useful for the Royals because they once they get past this Rays series they go to Detroit and then Pittsburgh. Um, there's some wins to be had if if they want them. So uh, this is kind of a big series because they can they can potentially put some distance in the Central early in April just with with their schedule if they, if they can take care of the Rays this week. And Salvador Perez is a big part of that. So we've kind of seen, or at least we thought we saw what. Like, Perez has been so consistent, at least with the power numbers. Not that he's been consistently incredible. It's just been consistent, like really solid, right? Like, mid-20 yeah. home runs, year in, year out. Like, do you view him as, with this new and improved swing mechanics, do you do you see him as being a potentially mid-30s or above home run guy? I think he can be. A lot of it depends on how he's played when he's not catching. Um, you know, I, I think some of... He probably could have gotten a 30 a couple of years. Not not that he rested often, but he typically wasn't DH'd in the days he wasn't catching, um, you know, in 16, 17, even in 18. And um, now he is because his bat, you can't take his bat out of the lineup. You, just, you need it. And, I mean, he'll sit sometimes, obviously, but he'll probably play a few more games in, in 2021 as long as he stays healthy. So that'll help. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think his – his swing now gives him the ability to drive the ball more than it did before. And to all fields, if you think back to when he came up, it was a lot of opposite field based hits. And that's a good thing. And that, that was how he was able to keep, you know, three thirty something average his first year, three Oh five or three Oh eight or something. The second season and then it started to slowly fall off as he started to pull the ball more, but he seems to be incorporating the opposite field again, but with power now. And it's, that, that makes him a scary hitter. Now he's, he's going to swing and miss a lot. He's going to swing at pitches you don't want him to swing at a lot. But when he makes contact, yeah, I mean, it, it can go. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we look up in, in September and he's sitting on 34, 35 home runs. I, I, think, it's, I think that could be where he is for the next couple of seasons. So if, if that is the case and you've got this guy who's maybe more of a power hitter than you anticipated him being, or maybe the Royals saw this coming with the swing mechanics, I have no idea. But how does that change what you're able to do with the lineup both short-term and long-term, whether that applies to what you do with Adalberto Mondesi whenever he's ready to go, or maybe down the road later this season if Bobby Witt Jr. gets the call-up, whatever whatever you could potentially think of as as questions about the lineup, how does Perez's improvement change them? Well, I don't know if it's, it's a huge difference this season because he was already kind of penciled in three, four, somewhere in that spot. But... Nick Prado is a guy who really burst back on the scene. We saw him in spring training. He looked really good. There were just glowing reviews from the alternate site. I was convinced it was just the Royals front office was trying to make him look better. Um, and then I saw him in spring training, and I was like, oh, no, he's, he's actually better. He's, he, he can hit. Um, so his, his ascent 
with Salvador Perez, I mean, I think it's going to make it easier for them to walk away from Soler after the season. I, you know, up, up until now, well, not now, but up until you know, a few before spring training, I think I thought, you know, they might they might give Soler a three year deal. He's a guy you can't afford to take away that kind of right handed power from the middle of a lineup that doesn't have a lot. And then they gave Dozier the deal, and now now um, Salvi is hitting the way he is. And and you look at that, and you go, okay, well, do they really need? A guy who is streaky like Soler, yeah, he had a great 2019. But he, he has a hard time staying healthy. He is very streaky. I mean, we haven't – he looks like he's about to put it together. Um, I think I said that last week too. But he actually – he had some balls pretty hard. Um, actually, no, I didn't say it last week because it was Monday night that I noticed it. So I didn't talk to you about this last week. But he, he's starting to put together better plate appearances, hitting the ball a little bit harder that double in the seventh inning last or yesterday afternoon, that was, that was the Solaire swing that you usually see before he hits five home runs in a week. So that's, that's a good sign. Um, and it's not to say they can't use him, but with Mick Prado and Carlos Santana under contract for next season and Salvador Perez, you can look at that and say, okay, there, there can be, if you put Santana at DH some, Salvi at DH some, Prado at DH some, you know, you kind of rotate, you keep everybody fresh. Um, although you probably want Prado playing every day because he's a really good defender, but it allows the Royals some options that they don't need to worry about Jorge Soler and paying a DH whatever he might he might cost. I don't say they can't keep him if if the price is right, but I think that's where it impacts the team long term. And I think you know it's it's good to have options like that. And Salvador Perez gave them those, and, and I mean he's making a lot of money to do it, but he's he's earning his salary so far. Talking to David Lesky here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. David, we saw uh, signs of life from Brad Keller against the Angels last week. I, I don't. I, you said this at the before the season even started, right? That as good as he was last year, due for some, if it if it, even just statistical, like there's going to be some regression this season. Now I don't know if you expected him to start the way he did, but how encouraging was it to see him last weekend or last week? Excuse me. It was huge. I mean, him him throwing ninety eight. That was surprising, and I, look, I, I don't know if he can keep that up, but if, if he can reach back for upper 90s with the movement he gets on that on, on the four-seamer, on his two-seamer, and on his slider, I mean, he, he might be a guy who could take another step this season. And it's funny that I'm saying that after a week ago saying, well, I don't know, he might be, on, he might be going for surgery in, in a week and a half. But um, that one start, it looked, looked like Brad Keller that we've seen for the last three seasons. So um, that, 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 was, that was a really, really good start for him. I think he ran into a little bit of trouble. I think he pitched, in, he pitched five and two-thirds, I think. Um, had a little bit of trouble in that sixth inning, and part of it is that he just hadn't thrown that many pitches this season. <laughs> he was like 51 on opening day, I think 69 his next start. So he did he 120 pitches total <laughs> in two starts. I, I think he was running out of gas, so... His next start, uh, what is he, tomorrow, I think he pitches? I mean, tomorrow or Wednesday, I can't remember. It must be tomorrow because June is Wednesday. So that, tomorrow I think it will be interesting to see if he can keep it up through 100, 105 pitches because that's where the Royals need him to be. Um, but he's he's still of interest to me, of note to watch, because you, you worry a little bit. Um, but that start did a lot to kind of calm things a little bit, with, at least in my mind with Brad Keller. So I want to go back to where we started then, David, because you're sitting here at first place and you, you got to that point in sort of unexpected fashion, just the way you've gone about it. And baseball is great like that. Like 
It doesn't have to be the way that you want, and then things can change, and you can sort of just kind of piece it together week by week, month by month, and all of a sudden you say, you know what, I don't really know how we got here, but we're two months into the season, and you know you still look like you're in contention for a division title. But amongst all the things that could fluctuate, whether it's you know Brad Keller, as you mentioned, some of the bigger names in the middle of the offense not performing up to snub so far this year, across the board, what's the one thing when you look at this team that you think needs to be that steady constant if there's fluctuation everywhere else if this team two months down the line is still in the picture for competing for a playoff spot well to me the biggest thing is the bullpen um and they've been really good uh, there have been a couple hiccups here and there but that that's going to happen um this season in particular i feel like maybe not with everybody but the royals are going and every team they're going to be careful with guys they're going to err on the side of caution and so you might need that extra inning every every other game than you typically would in another season. You might need the bullpen to go five today instead of four or four instead of three, you know, whatever it might be. And so that the bullpen, it, it, it's a deep bullpen. I mean, if you look at the guys who, who Matheny is counting on, Barlow's good, Holland is good, um, although I have some fears about Holland sometimes because the velocity is just not quite as much there, and so that worries me a little bit. Um, Zimmer has been fantastic Stalmont, you love Stalmont. um i can't remember who i who i haven't mentioned but they're jake brands but they have a deep array of relievers and it sounds like jesse hahn might be back soon and if he is close to last season i mean he might be better than all of them so which is crazy to say obviously he started off really poorly this year but um it, it's just there's a lot of people there who can who can really help this team and, and they need to because they're going to need those middle innings to be locked down. And truthfully, those middle in, those guys are what have allowed the Royals to be a little lucky this season. The starting pitching has actually been pretty solid, um, but the bullpen has been the hero, really, most of the time. So that that's important, and that's got to keep up throughout the year. The good news is they've got a bunch of arms. So if somebody's not working, they got somebody else to bring in. Um, they're, they're going to need to stay good all season long for the Royals to have a chance. Maybe it's just perception, but, I mean, you brought it up. Is this... I mean, is this how atypical is it, and do you expect them to sort of whittle it down throughout the season, or do you think they just ride with this depth as long as they can? I don't, I don't know because if you're asking me about what Matheny would do, and you go back to his Cardinals days, this isn't going to stay. But I think he's a different manager, and I think he's he's handling the pitching staff in such a different way than he ever has before, and solid way. I mean, I think back to yesterday. I put this on Twitter. I put this in my article this morning. Brady Singer had 90 pitches through six, and the bottom of the order was coming up. I think a lot of managers would have left him in to face that bottom of the order. But the calculus, and maybe he didn't think this way. Maybe this is my mind putting this on to Matheny. But either Singer gets those three guys out, and you're fine, or he doesn't, and you don't want him to face a lineup a third time or fourth time. So now all of a sudden, you have to go to a reliever who – is now put into a big-time pressure situation in a scoreless game in the seventh inning. And, and Matheny looked at that, and he said, no, I'm going to give my reliever a clean inning, get Brady Singer out of there, he was as good as he was. I don't think he does that unless he has faith in his entire bullpen. And I don't think that unless the bullpen gives him a reason for that faith to wane, I don't think it will. And so I think you're going to continue to see him play matchups really well. I think Greg Holland is mostly the ninth-inning guy, but I also think he'd bring him in if he needs – you know, if, if two guys in a row struggle with sliders, Greg Holland's going to come in the seventh inning, and they're going to use Barlow to close. And, and I think that 
that mentality in the bullpen is what works in 2021, um, both because it's a weird season after last year and just in general. I think it makes more sense. Um, and, I, and I think Matheny's embraced that. And so in order to use that, you have to use a deep, deep bullpen. And like I said, unless they give him a reason not to, I think he's going to keep it up. He's David Lesky. I would highly suggest subscribing to his Substack Inside the Crown in your inbox every morning. Everything you need to know about what's happening with the Royals. You can also check out his work with Royals Review. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you for the time, David. Definitely. Thanks, Nick. All righty. That's David Lesky. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and body wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. Quick shout out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor Patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese. The Haney Turkey Stack or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. All right, getting week number two of RCST Trivia started off today. We are still in the first round. We got halfway through the first round last week. We've got another, what, 32 matchups. No, that math's not right at all. 16 matchups? I don't know. Derek, you're the math guy. Is that right? 16 matchups 16. this week? All right, 16 and 16. And this is matchup number one for week two of RCST Trivia. And we've got a couple of RCST trivia veterans. It's a 3-14 matchup between Alex Stilley and Jeff Ham. Let's get to know today's contestants. First up, the three seed, Alex Stilley with us once again. Alex, you went to the Sweet 16 last year. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, I have the official stat book says you went 10-1 and on your trivia question. So you only missed one question, but it was the one that ended up knocking you out. Do you remember what the question was? Yeah, it was like uh, something from like the 90s, and that's a little, a little before my time. So so the, the questions that you were nailing, were they all sort of the Bill Self, 2000s, 2010s yeah. era? That's definitely my better area, yeah. Okay, well, maybe uh, maybe this will be your year. Maybe that 10-1 and record is indicative of something special, but first you're going to have to take down your opponent. He's the 14-seed Jeff, 
who I believe was knocked out in the first round last year. Jeff, how are you going to build off your experience from a year ago and uh, make something happen this time around? Well, hopefully not miss an easy question like I did last time. Okay, I'm going to ask you the same question then. Do you remember what you what question you got wrong? I think so. What was it? Um, I forget it. Uh, you know, the, I, the actual question, I don't remember. The answer was Thomas Robinson. Oh, okay. It was from the... 2012 team and it was something that obviously I should have known but I didn't so okay well you know what um I think the experience the first time around can help guys we've we've had a, a handful of guys who were knocked out early last year who have already advanced onto the second round so uh we'll see if is Alex going to take the next step or is Jeff going to break through and get his first RCST trivia win something special going to happen here in the first matchup of this week guys before we get going uh, a little bit of formatting I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions KU basketball related the questions will get more progressively difficult as we move throughout the rounds we will start with the easiest questions and move on to the a uh, little bit harder than the medium than the really hard if you guys both answer incorrectly we'll ask you another set of questions from that same tier you both answer correctly we move on to the next tier until we've got our winner you have a 30 second time limit the timer starts as soon as i get done asking the question we will give you a five second warning which sounds something like this Make sure you get your answer off before you hear Alex Collins yell, oh. oh! Otherwise, we're counting it as incorrect. Jeff, you are the 14th seed in this matchup, which means you have the option of answering first or second. Which will you choose? Uh, first. All right, Jeff, your first question. What position did Frank Mason play at Kansas? Point guard. That is correct. We would accept point guard or guard. Alex, your first question today. What position did Wilt Chamberlain play at Kansas? Center. Center is correct. Would have also accepted big man. All right. Back to you now, Jeff, for your second question. Name a KU player to wear the number four. Keith Langford. Keith Langford wore the number five at Kansas. Jeff, a uh, couple of guys that did wear the number four for KU: Sharon Collins, uh, Nick Collison, Devonte Graham. So some big ones in there. Yeah, Keith, just one digit off, just one digit off there with five. So, Alex, if you can get this right, you're moving on to the second round. Alex, name a KU player to wear the number fifteen. Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers is correct. Uh, some other players who wore 15. Uh, Elijah Johnson, JoJo White, uh, Carlton Bragg. And just like that, Alex, you're moving on to the second round. How's it feel, man? It's good. It's good. Ready to keep going. Oh, wow. Muted, calm, collected, focused on the task at hand. I like the business-like approach as you're moving on here. Jeff, I know you're kind of kicking yourself. Keith Langford, five. You were looking for a number four. Kind of take me through what you're feeling right now, man. Uh, you know, I, I was going to say Nick Collison, and I changed my mind at the last minute. So there's some guys that I should have known. But. Oh, it's, it's okay, man. It's okay. We appreciate you coming back and being a part of RCST Trivia. Alex, congratulations. Jeff, thank you once again. Thanks for getting us started off this week, fellas. Thanks, guys. Yep, thank you. 
All right, man, that's not a good start. That's not what I want to see here for the first matchup of the week. No, continuation of Friday. Listen, man, I'm I don't want I don't want you guys tripping up on questions you know. I want to stump you because genuinely you're like I have no idea. Yeah, cuz I'm a genius and wrote an awesome question. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Feed Derek's ego. Is that too much to ask? And here's the uh, here's the part that probably rubs me the wrong way. And, and Jeff, I'm not picking on you. Well, I am, but it's nothing personal. But you know, I always tell people just listen. If you take 45 minutes a day, it's not even 45 minutes. It's like half an hour a day, right? It's like working out. Can you just go on a run for? Is it that much to ask for you to go on a run? 30? Oh, I don't have time. 30 minutes. You don't have 30 minutes to go on a run, and you wonder why you're out of shape. Like, you don't have 30 minutes to listen to RCST trivia and you wonder why you got bounced in the first round? We literally on Friday put together a every single one of the first week of trivia podcasted it up. And that doesn't guarantee you success, but it would have guaranteed you missing or you getting the question that you missed. Correct. On Friday, we had a guy come on here and he got asked to name a player who wore the number 10. He named Sharon Collins. And I said... You know, Sharon Collins wore number four. And we talked about it afterwards. Like, Sharon's a pretty memorable guy. Everybody knows he wore the number four. And then today, the question is, name a KU player to wear the number four. But if you had listened to that on Friday, you're thinking, oh, wow. That's an easy one because I, this just came up on Friday. Somebody got stumped on it because they guessed Sharon. Well, of course, no, Sharon wore number four. Didn't get it. You guessed Keith Langford. Keith wore number five. I feel like four is one of the easiest numbers, too. Like, Sharon, Nick Collis, Devontae. Yeah, think about You're how talking many about very memorable. You're talking about anytime you walk into Allen Fieldhouse, you get two number fours hanging up in the rafters. And, you know, fans, typically, a lot of them have the number four jersey from Devontae or Sharon, Sharon Collins. Yeah. You know, those were very lovable guys. Uh-huh. That's a tough one to miss. Ooh, Isaiah Moss. I don't even know if oh, I would have gotten tough. that one, yeah. to be honest with you. I just don't want to see people missing questions that they should be getting right. Now, maybe that means we're due for some really, really solid matchups in the second round, or maybe it means that other people are advancing without really having to prove themselves as knowledgeable. We'll find out. But that's why it... I mean, somebody had to win that matchup. And I think, you know, if you miss the the number question, the jersey questions, like... Like, we had somebody last week who told us, well, I didn't study Jersey questions. Well, I mean, if that's the type of questions you're getting wrong, you're going to get the other ones wrong, too. Like, that's my belief. Like, those are sort of the layups, I think. Yeah, I mean, again, we're not asking the Jersey questions, you know, who wore number 53 for Kansas or who wore number 38. We're asking generic numbers, right? Like, four, 15, When we get 10. to the second round, are we going to do away with the super easy questions? Yeah, that's what we did last year. I think that's the best way to go again. Well, unfortunately... We've only had one person miss a super easy. And how many did we have miss it last year? Two or three? I think it was, yeah, two or three. It was a handful, yeah. So, so far only one. Now we've still got like 12 matchups left this week or 11. Well, I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. But I we're, we're doing really well. We're doing really well so far and people not missing the really easy ones. What did we do once we got to the Final Four? Did we even ask easy questions to the Final Four contestants? I don't know. But I, I kind of think we should if we didn't last year. You know, it's nice to have that warm-up. You know, you're really nervous when you come yeah. into this. Uh, like, I think back to, I think it was a Friday matchup when we had with uh, Andrew against Eli. And 
if you remember the first question we asked Andrew, who ended up winning, it was a great matchup. I forget if it went three deep or four deep, um, was what is the name of the Sunflower Showdown? And that, I think, might have been the question he took the longest on to hear something mm-hmm. from him. He said Sunflower Showdown, and he said afterwards, he was like, I was just a little nervous. You know, once you hit that first one, it's like making your first layup. Then after that, it feels like the basket opens up a little bit. So, I don't know. I, I like kind of sticking with the easy throughout just because it still gives him a layup, even if it's not the wide open layup like the really easy. No, I agree with you. I think uh, I think that's what we did last year anyway. So I'm glad we ha- we hashed this out on the air. Probably could have just talked about this, you know, between Some ourselves. More personal discussions on it. Yeah, I like to really personal, I like to but... pull the curtain back a little bit for the listeners. But we got two more matchups coming up today, both of which eight nine matchups starting next. RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and taproom located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers, and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. All right, matchup number two for today, an 8-9 matchup between a couple of RCST Trivia newcomers. We just heard a matchup between two RCST veterans. Now we've got a couple of newbies. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Let's find out. The 8-9 matchup features Lane Stanberry and Tyler Feist. Lane, I'm going to talk to you first. No offense, Tyler, but Lane, you may be in the running for... RCST Trivia Name of the Year. So now that you've gotten that out of the way, what are you hoping to accomplish here in your RCST Trivia debut? You know, we're we're just taking it one one game at a time. I think my, my focus is solely on Tyler today. I don't know too much about him, but I'm sure if he's in this tournament, he probably knows what he's talking about. So we're going to take this one game at a time and uh, hope to shock the world and uh, and, and make, a, make a good run. All right. A lot of coach speaking there, but you know what? That's what all the greats do. So, are you one of the greats? We're about to find out. Uh, Lane, how would you sort of uh, characterize your KU expertise? Lifelong KU fan? What's the story there? Yeah, so the first season where I became a diehard KU fan, I was in fourth grade when uh, when KU played in the 06-07 season. And uh, after that, I just took it and run with it and became a really good, uh, I wouldn't say really good historian, but... Uh, uh, I was reading KU books, uh, watching KU videos, anything that I could get my hands on KU. So, um, and I have a big basketball card collection of KU uh, KU players as well. So I'm hoping that uh, my experience hunting for those historic players can uh, help me out with the trivia here, and we'll just see where, where it goes. Very interesting. That could be a that could be a nice little storyline if you're able to advance throughout this tournament. But before we even start talking about that. We're going to meet your yeah. opponent standing in your way. The nine seed Tyler Feist with us here on RCST Trivia. Tyler, how did you uh, wind up getting involved here with RCST Trivia this year? Well, last year um, I found out about RCST Trivia and it was too late to, mm. to get in. And I was I was crushed. <laughs> I was working from home at the stay at home order and I was listening to every matchup and I was crushed that I couldn't play. And so I made sure that I'd be in it this year. So, so when when you were listening a year ago, were you were you hearing these matchups and hearing people get questions wrong, like sitting there at home saying, I knew that one. I would have beat that guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I love it. Well, I'm excited for this one. I think we could be in store for a good one here. It's the 8-9 matchup between Lane and Tyler. Well, both of you guys very familiar with it by now, even though you're newcomers. You got 30 seconds to answer your question. We're going to give you a five-second warning when you hear this ticking sound. You got five seconds left on the clock. Make sure you get your answer off before you hear Eric Collins yell, Oh! Tyler, technically, you are the nine seed here, so I'll give you the option of answering first or second. Which will you choose? I'd like to go second. Okay, so Lane, that means this first question is for you, and here it is, Lane. Name a team that has beaten KU in the NCAA tournament under Bill Self. Uh, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. You really went to the uh, one of the worst losses in NCAA tournament history, but it's, uh, it's a correct <laughs> answer nonetheless. They're all bad. Yeah, they are. Tyler, here's your first question. Name a team that Kansas has beaten in the NCAA tournament under Bill Self. North Carolina. That is correct. A couple of times under Bill Self has KU taken down Roy Williams and the Tar Heels. All right, one for one. On to the second round of questioning. Going back to you now, Lane. Lane, what is the name of the KU big man who played from 2008 to 2010? He came to Kansas from Bloomington, Minnesota, and recently got his jersey retired. He was a two-time All-American at Kansas. Lane, name that player. Cole Aldrich. That's right. Coleslaw, or as Nick Nick Collison referred to him, Colesore. Pretty unfortunate nickname. <laughs> All right, Tyler, back to you. Similar to Cole Aldridge, this KU big man also has his jersey retired. He also left for the NBA after his junior season. He played at KU from 2000 to 2002 and went to one Final Four at Kansas. Who is it? Drew Gooden. That's right. I still maintain that KU wins the title on 03 if Drew Gooden was back. All right, guys. Great start. Two for two, and we're moving on to the uh, the medium tier of questions here for a couple of RCST newbies. They're, they don't sound new. I'll tell you that right now. Lane, question number three for you. In 2008, Darrell Arthur was a first-team All-Big 12 selection. One more KU big man. One more KU big man landed on the All-Big 12 teams. He was a third-team All-Big 12 selection. Who was that KU big man? Was it Darnell Jackson? It was Darnell Jackson. Tyler, question number three for you. Besides Darrell Arthur... There was one other Jayhawk who is a first-team All-Big 12 selection in 2008. Who was it? Wait, didn't you just ask that question? I'll, I'll, I'll I'll ask this question again, okay? There was one big man who landed on the third team All-Big 12. That's what... That's what Lane just answered. There was another big man who was a third-team All-Big 12 selection. That was specific to big men. Here is your, I'll ask your question again, okay? Besides Darrell Arthur, there was another Jayhawk who was a first-team All-Big 12 selection in 2008. 
Who was that player? First team all Big 12. Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush is correct. That's how you got to do. You unsure about the question? Ask me. Clarify. Knock it down. Three for three. Okay, here we go. I I told you this was going to happen. Just just talking to these guys before the matchup, I said, okay, this isn't going to be somebody getting a jersey number wrong, okay? These guys came to play, and that's what we're all about. All right, boys. Question number four in your RCST trivia debut. I wish I could put both of you guys through the second round, but that's not how it works. Lane, back to you, man. Before losing to Georgia Tech in the 2004 Elite Eight, the best seed, the highest seeded team that KU beat that tournament was a nine seed. Who was it? One of two teams, it's either Pacific or UAB. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Pacific. Oh. Lane, you had it. You had it, Lane. It was UAB. It was UAB. Yeah. You had it whittled down, man. Okay, that's Dang. tough. That's tough. So, Tyler, you just heard that. If you can answer this question correctly, Tyler... You are advancing to the second round of RCST Trivia. All right, here's your question. Prior to beating a pair of one seeds in the Final Four, what team was the best seed that Kansas beat in the 2008 NCAA Tournament? The highest seed that Kansas beat in the 08 NCAA Tournament before the Final Four. UNLV. Wow. Wow. That is correct. UNLV, as an eight seed, was the highest seeded team. And Tyler, you're moving on to the second round. It, you didn't take much time to knock that one down. You had that one wrapped up, didn't you? Yeah, the the big tournament runs I pretty much have etched in my memory. So, And I did a lot of studying. So. Well, the studying pays off as you're moving on to the second round, and uh, you were kind of, I don't know if you were on the ropes necessarily, but maybe a little bit confused there in the third round. Are you glad you clarified? Because were you about to answer something other than, than Brandon Rush, or was there just a little confusion there? I, I was very confused. I thought, like, maybe you accidentally read the same <laughs> question again. I, I wouldn't was put like, it past oh, man, me. is he yeah. on the wrong? But... Yeah, I'm glad I asked and clarified. And then once you explained, it was it was a little clear. So. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest right now. And I don't do this. And I shouldn't be playing favorites here. Lane, uh, it hurts to eliminate you. It hurts to see you go from the tournament. Because I feel yeah. like both you guys would be capable of going on a deep run. But sometimes that's the volatility of uh, the NCAA tournament and RCST trivia. Is you just get a tough matchup in round one. Um, take me back through the question... That knocked you out. You had it down to Pacific and UAB. You ended up leaning towards Pacific. Kind of take me through that thought process. Yeah, so um, I had I had studied the tournament runs um, of KU of the past probably like 20 years just to refresh myself. And um, and I knew the run, and I, and I was kind of like quizzing myself over it beforehand. Um, 
but on basketball reference, it doesn't list the seeds. Mm. I just knew the teams that they had beat. Wow. And so I didn't think that the seeding was going to matter. I just thought it was like, what teams did KU beat to get there? And, and so I knew that uh, uh, UAB was the, the Sweet 16. And so I wasn't exactly sure. I was like, well, they would have had, if they were higher, they probably would have had, to, if they were nine, they would have had to beat a, a one seed. And I was like, did that happen? And, you know, I couldn't now, now it's kind of, yeah, I'm kind of remembering that upset, but, uh, but you know, that's how it goes. And congrats to Tyler. It was a, it was a good round of questions. Lane, I know we got a, a long ways towards next year's tournament, but can we, can we go ahead and lock in for 2022 RCST trivia? Can we do that here today? I'm uh, I'm declaring my intentions to enter the 2022 uh, Rock Chuck Sports Talk Trivia Tournament. So, Oh, there we go. I think both of you guys are probably going to be moving up the seed line next year. But thank you, fellas, for treating us to a, a great matchup. That's what it's all about. Appreciate both of you guys for uh, for being a part of this. Thank you. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Sporting Kansas City. MLS is back after finishing at the top of the Western Conference last season. Sporting Kansas City is ready to take the field and paint the wall this year. And if you haven't heard, Sporting Kansas City will be welcoming a limited capacity crowd again this season. To watch Sporting Kansas City live and in person this year, go to SeatGeek.com SKC. And because you're a listener of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, use the code SKCRCST at checkout to get an exclusive discount on tickets. Again, use the code SKCRCST at checkout and receive an exclusive discount for our listeners at checkout. We'll see you at Children's Mercy Park. I think that one immediately rivals the Isaac Dillon matchup from a week ago for best RCST trivia matchup in 2021. Mm -hmm. And it only went four rounds, but those were some tough questions. We've only had three or four that have gone to the the medium round, but those ones were, were pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the, those questions were ones that I think a lot of other people, like a, some of our matchups, would have had both people get them wrong. Yeah, you mean the hard round, uh, yeah. like getting through the medium round. Well, we had a uh, Kyle and Chris that went six rounds, but both of them had multiple missed questions there in that one. Um, as far as people to get four questions right, meaning they did get a hard question right so far, Isaac was one of them, Ben was another, and then uh, Zach against Ryan, I believe, was the final one before Tyler just now. So it hasn't been a ton of people having to do that so far. And it is a little unfortunate. You know, that's just kind of who you draw with Lane. You know, if if Lane's playing somebody else, you know, yeah. he might be moving on. Who knows? He might be even going to an Elite Eight or something I think like I that. think what we're really getting to here is that there's, there's a bit of an issue with the seating process. Mm. I think that's what you're saying. No, not at all. And to reevaluate the seating. I don't Whoever know. Whoever did the seating, excellent at their job. Congratulations to you. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of higher seeds win. You mean like the no, you mean lower seed. Better, better seeds. Better seeds, yeah. That's what we I need always to get confused about that. Yeah. yeah, we need to instead of higher, lower, just better or worse seed. Like higher in terms of talent or higher in terms of number because those two mean exactly opposite things. Okay, so we've got one more matchup coming today. We're cutting back a little bit and we're not going to have any on Friday, but what, we've got three and then four and then four the rest of the week. Three Tuesday, four Wednesday, four Thursday. And then 
our round of 32 is going to be set. Do the people who make it to the second round automatically get a prize, or do you got to get to the round of 16? Nope, round of 16. So, All right, uh, so don't, yeah. don't count your chickens yet. Only difference between a first-round loser and a second-round loser is a little bit of pride. Yeah, and I'm not a prideful person, so that wouldn't really be a, <laughs> a motivation for me. But once you do make it to the uh, round of 16, you're going to get $20 to CBD of Lawrence and that coveted RCST T-shirt. They're new, too. We got new ones from last year, so it'll be different than if you got one last year. You'll have a set. You'll have a collection now that you can start of RCST T-shirts. And actually, I, I take that back. Everybody has already won something. Free library card. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, Lawrence Public Library. Wow. Everybody can get a free library card. That's news to me. They're all winners. All right, so you need to take care of some business before the prizes really start racking up, but for everybody who's already advanced, you are one step closer. All right, last matchup of the day coming up next. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact D. Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's D. Johnson at gpmnow.com. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785 749 Four eight zero eight. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. All right, last matchup of the day. Round one of RCST trivia. We just had two newcomers in the last matchup, and it was one of the best matchups that we've had so far here in 2021. Let's find out if that trend continues because we've got another matchup, another 8-9 matchup featuring two newcomers, Trevor Roshavitz, Samuel Davis, Joining us now on the show, Sam. Let's go to you first. There was a little confusion, right? We thought uh, we thought you were our former intern, Sam Davis, who got knocked out in the first round. So if I would have known, I maybe would have bumped you up a seat. I maybe moved it down. I'm not really sure how it would have affected you, but uh, what can you tell us about what you bring to the table here in uh, year number one of your RCST trivia experience? Uh, I'm just excited to to be here and do that. You know, big KU basketball fan, so uh, I'm not too worried about the seed line and. You know, we'll just see how it goes. Lifelong fan? You from the area? What's uh, what's your background? Yeah, lifelong fan, uh, alumni, graduated 2017 from the university, so. Are we sure that last year's Sam Davis wasn't this Sam Davis too, and we just didn't know? That's a good question. I don't know. We didn't do it on through Zoom last year, so maybe a case of uh, mistaken identity. It doesn't really matter, though. You're in it now, and that's all that matters. You're going to be taking on another newcomer. Trevor Roshavitz is now on RCST Trivia. Trevor, how are you feeling here ahead of your first matchup? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Very, very confident. A um, little background on myself. I'm a KU grad. I graduated in 2014. Um, I was lucky enough to attend the Final Four in 02, 03, 08, wow. 2012, and also 2018. I saw the final Border War matchup. I saw Kevin Durant up 20 points at half against the Hawks. And the Hawks came back and won. I believe that was 2007. So hmm. um, I'm ready. So 
after sharing with us your entire resume, even though we didn't ask for it, you gave it to us anyway. That's a bit of an alpha move, I, thought I guess. About it all week. Okay. That was like a yeah, fighter at the press week. conference, like trying to intimidate the other person. Yeah, that's true. That's true at the weigh-in. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. Um, maybe that lends itself towards certain types of questions. You know, we've got we got everything. We got type. We got game recalls. We've got stats. We've got number based. So if you've been in a lot of games, maybe that'll help you. Maybe it won't. Guys, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, alternating back and forth, revolving around KU and a little bit of Big 12 basketball, but mostly KU, as you've heard by listening through the past week plus. The questions will get progressively more difficult. You guys both answer right. We move on to a more difficult set of questions. You guys both answer it wrong. We'll go back and ask you another series of questions from that same difficulty tier. We'll go until we have our winner. You have 30 seconds to answer. We'll give you a five-second warning, which sounds exactly like this. When you hear this ticking, that means you got five seconds left. Get your answer off before you hear Eric Collins yell, oh. Otherwise, we're counting it as incorrect as you have run out of time. Trevor, you are the nine seed, which means I'm going to give you the option of answering first or second. Which would you like? I will go second. Okay, so Sam, that means the first question in this first-round matchup is for you. Sam, Bill Self's alma mater. Is another Big 12 team whose mascot is the Cowboys? Who is it? Uh, That would be the Oklahoma State Cowboys. That is right. Trevor, question number one for you. Roy Williams left Kansas to coach at his alma mater. What is that school he was just coaching at before he retired this offseason? North Carolina Tar Heels. All right, great job, guys. One for one. Let's move on to the next round of questions. Sam, we're going back to you. Sam, many players have donned the number 21 for KU, including some notable big men under Bill Self. Name any KU player to wear the number 21. Uh, most notable comes to mind right now is probably Joel Embiid. That's right. Joel Embiid, Markeith Morris. Also, Clay Young, right? Could have went, could have went the Clay Young route, but Joel Embiid is correct. Trevor, your next question: Name any player to wear the number thirty-four at Kansas. Uh, Perry Ellis. Perry Ellis is correct. Paul Pierce, another name. Christian Moody, Chris Zerby, right? The list goes on and on. All right. Great job so far, guys. Now we're going to move on to the third round of questioning. And, Sam, we are going back to you. KU likely would have been the number one overall seed in 2020, but the tournament was canceled. What was the last year that KU received the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament? Hmm, that would have been, that was Frank Mason's junior year when they got knocked out by Villanova. What would that been? 2015? That is correct. The 2015-16 season. Trevor, we go back to you now. Prior to that season in 2015-2016, what was the most recent number one overall seed for KU? So 2016 season was the last time. What was the last time before that where KU had the number one overall seed? Let's 
see, that would have been, I think, my sophomore year of school. I am going to go with the, and you asked what year, correct? Yeah, give me the season, season or the we tournament, one either one. Seed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, oof, those, those are my college years, so I was drinking. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the 2011-2012 team. They lost to Michigan in the lead eight. The the uh, the correct answer was the 2010 tournament. So 2011 would have been VCU. KU was a one seed, but not the number uh, one Mark overall. Team. Yeah, 2012 would have been the year they went to the Final Four with uh, Thomas Robinson as as a two seed. So those seeding recalls. Are, are a little tricky. And as you mentioned, those were your college years. So are you going to blame it on the consumption of illicit substances? Yeah. Yeah. The alcohol. Yes. hundred percent. All right. How are you feeling? You know, in the immediate aftermath of the loss, Trevor? Uh, I've, I've been worse. I've been better. Um, but Hey, it's, it's an early, it's a good excuse to leave work early and get a beer. So there you go. Right. Beer is the answer that you, the reason why you got it wrong. So now just, uh, Keep going back to that well. You're going to be back next year in 2022. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yes. Sam, you're moving on to the next round. You you took some time to get that 2016 answer, uh, the 2015-2016 answer. Um, how are you feeling now, coming off the, your first ever win? Uh, that was a tough question. I, I had to go back. I, I could recall the team, but. You know, trying to trying to na- nail down the year is a little tough too. You know, I was in college then too, so uh, I feel pretty good about it. Feel pretty good about making a run here in, in this tournament and uh, one seat advance. So I'm, I'm ready to go uh, tackle that one. Well, there we go. Congratulations to you, Sam, Trevor. Thanks for being a part of it, guys. Appreciate you both uh, hopping on and uh, joining us today. See you guys. Thanks. You see, this Tristan and Aruna has transferred to Iowa State. So, in Aruna, the Dutch oven staying in the Big 12, which automatically, oh, I I know he's going to come back and kill KU twice a year. That never happens, by the way. Like, guys don't go transfer and then just, like, end up killing KU. And I don't anticipate that being the case for in Aruna. I mean, but how many guys have even transferred to other Big 12 teams? Maybe that's a trivia question. I think Sam or Trevor would have got that one. Do you know the answer? I wouldn't, Dev. I don't know Because you answer. don't know the answer. No. Then I'll just say, like, one. Like, ever? Like, from KU to another school. Yeah, I can't I mean, name it's, him. It's got to have happened at some point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. Um, yeah, I know Luke Axtell transferred from Texas to Kansas. Nebraska wasn't still in the Big 12 when Andrew Wright transferred there, right? No, because that would have been, okay. like, 2014, 2013, maybe. It would have been, like, the next year. So, close. Because we never saw Andrew White uh, in Nebraska. Oh, uh, man. I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone. <laughs> Did anyone ever go from KU to K-State? Why do I feel like that happened? You know, Xavier Tillman last week. In Pinson? Is it? Yeah, oh yeah. Xavier Pinson. Tillman's the former Michigan State guy. Okay. Well, the, they had a Tillman at Missouri. No, Jeremiah Xavier Pinson. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so that's fine. That's what that's I'll the confusion. So he last week had an Instagram said he was down to KU and LSU. And at the time I go, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. 
you are not going to KU. And he didn't, so nobody can disprove my theory that that was all a massive prank and troll job. No, this is what every kid should do. If I was, you know, a two-star prospect and I was going to Ball State, I would say, here's my final two. Ball State, Kansas. Ball State and Kentucky. Ball State, Duke. Yeah, whatever. And it's like, wow, he, he shunned Duke to pick Ball State? Yeah. Well, isn't that kind of like the guy a couple of years ago who acted like he had offers from, like, Cal and Oregon? And he picked one of them, and then it turns out he didn't have offers <laughs> oh, from any no. of them. That was the saddest story ever. Did you see He faked of- the whole thing. He had a press conference at the school. News cameras no showed up. Oh, yeah, he faked the whole thing. He was just looking for attention. Wow. Wait, does he even play basketball? Or no, I think it was football, sport? but I don't... Yeah, he played football, but he was, like, unranked. Like, he was a nobody. So, I'm like, his coaches and his teammates had to have been, like, Hey, fake really? it till you make it. Like, what about his coach? Wasn't his coach like, dude, I didn't hear from the Oregon staff. <laughs> what are you talking about? How did they contact that's wild. Uh, that's like that one story, the guy who was like six foot ten and he acted after the NBA draft a couple years ago. There's like videos of it. Oh, yeah. Went yeah, out yeah. to parties and acted like he got drafted and stuff. But he was just trying to be funny for yeah, social he media. Was. He wasn't actually like this guy was trying serious. to convince people that I'm going to the NBA. Speaking of other transfers in the Big Twelve, I know you saw this over the weekend. The Groves brothers. Oh. Going to Oklahoma, and did you see what Tanner from Eastern Grove, Washington? Or Jacob, I forget which one. Tanner's the the really good one, okay, the, big, the boy. big guy. Did you see what Tanner Thick did? Bill Walton on uh, on social media. I don't know last week or something like that. He posted a graphic of not every school of not his top five, not his top seven, not even his top eleven. I've seen that before. Not even every school to offer. He posted a graphic of every school that is called. It said, the graphic said <laughs> at the top in big, like, lightning bolt letters, offers slash interests. So not just mm. offers, just schools Interest. who have yeah. talked to him. And the caption says, blessings, prayer hands, <laughs> all caps. These are not all offers, just schools that have contacted me. And off initial count. I'm going to guess there's 25 schools on here. That is baller mm-hmm. for a guy from Eastern Washington to say, I didn't have this recruitment coming out of high school. So you think I'm not going to take full advantage of the fact that for the first time in my life, I am a highly yeah. sought no, after recruit. Okay. Did they win the trade? They basically traded Brady Manick for Groves. They are very similar players. They got two though. They got both Groves Yeah, brothers. but like just one-to-one. You can't do that. They got two. I want to. Like, who's better, Brady Manick or Look what Porter Moser just did. He had a Tim really Butler, good yeah. a really good team with a big old lumbering white guy, <laughs> Cameron Crutwig. Now, Tanner Groves probably not as good as Crutwig. He's not. No, but he's a better shooter. Better shooter. Yeah. Um, he does more. Manick is only a shooter. Mm-hmm. It's an upgrade. And then you get the brother to boot. Okay, so don't you think that's funny? Brady Manick goes to North Carolina. Is at North Carolina now? And Tanner Groves at Oklahoma? I feel like it should be opposite. Yeah, and, and by the way, oh, these small schools are getting ravaged. Right, well, I'm going to tell you this right now. Like, Tom Grant Foster went to DePaul. Tristan and Aruna went to Iowa State. 
Everybody who left KU is going to go to a smaller program by default. Yeah, and he'll be their highly recruited, highest recruited player. So when we want to talk, oh, but the mid-majors are getting killed. Are they? Or are they going to get all the leftovers that the Power 6 schools didn't have room for anymore? They, to act like all of a sudden, well, nobody, these mid-major schools are going to die. Like, there's still going to be people playing for them, right? The, the Power 6 schools, the Blue Bloods, aren't going to have 25 guys on the roster. So... I hate that, man. I hate these coaches who come out and talk about it, but I think in some regards, they have to. In some regards, they want to act like their jobs are that much harder. Man, you got to work. Got to work for that paycheck. All right, two hours down, one to go. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk.